Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, a ballpark that may sell out three consecutive games. Friday night a sellout, Saturday night a sellout, and still working on Sunday, getting close as the Indians are playing the New York Yankees. Coming up on this week's show, one of the memorable catches of this or any season belongs to Austin Jackson. He did it Tuesday night in Boston at Fenway Park. And we had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week, and he talked about his great catch. I knew I was headed towards the bullpen, so I just did my best to try to hold on to the other side, and, you know, I was successful uh, somewhat in doing that. Also on this week's show, Joe Smith, the reliever, has returned to Cleveland after a great run from 2009 to 2013, and he really does believe that you can go home again. It's going to be even more fun because of the position that we're in and the position to you know, go deep in the playoffs and hopefully win a World Series. Also, a look at the week gone by. Plenty of action in the first two games of the series against the New York Yankees. Still a 4-1 to ball game and a standing ovation for Urshela. Boy, these fans get it, don't they, Rosie? A Great standing ovation. Great wow. to see. That's all coming up as Tribe Talk gets rolling on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Time for our week in review on what a week it was. It started Monday night in Boston, a 6-2 loss to the Red Sox. And normally we don't do many highlights on losing efforts by the Indians 
But Tuesday night's 12-10 defeat at Fenway Park, one of the most entertaining games of the season. And so we will go ahead and take a look back at what became an instant classic. Unfortunately, a loss for the Tribe, but a great game just the same. The Indians struck first against Chris Sale, and that was the key. It was Chris Sale against Carlos Carrasco, the pitching matchup. So you figured runs would be hard to come by. Nope. The Indians got it going in the first inning. Michael Brantley came to the plate against Sale. Now the set. Now the look at first, the pitch. Brantley grounds one, a base hit into left field between third and short. That'll score Lindor. Geyer will stop at second. And the Indians with three straight hits to start tonight's game, and they have a 1-0 lead. How about that? The Indians were 0-for-18 with men in scoring position in their last 18 opportunities, and tonight they're 2-for-2. Later on in the first inning, Carlos Santana with some good cuts against a Cy Young award-winning candidate for sure. Sale is ready. Hands at the belt. Check second. The pitch is swung on. Hit high. Hit deep to left. Hold is at the wall. He leaps and it hits high off the wall. That'll score two. Brantley coming home. Ramirez coming home. And Santana with a huge pick-me-up. Two-out, two-run double off the top of the scoreboard about halfway up the green monster in left. Then in the second inning, it was Brandon Geyer with some thunder. Now the 0-1. Geyer with a drive. Deep left field. Down the line it goes. It is gone. A fair ball. And a 5-0 Indians lead. And for just the second time this year, Chris Sale has given up five earned runs in a ball game. Brandon Geyer's second home run of the year. 15 RBIs. So the Tribe led it 5 nothing, and you figured with Carrasco on the mound, well, that will hold up nicely. It didn't. Bottom after the second inning, the Red Sox answered, scoring five times off Carrasco. They chased him after just an inning and two-thirds, and the game was tied at five after two. The Indians would break the tie in the fifth inning thanks to Edwin Encarnacion. Here comes the 3-2 pitch. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball. Deep left field, way back there. Home run, Encarnacion. And the Indians are back in front. A towering blast. That skied over the big green monster. 7-5, Tribe leads again. Number 22 for Edwin Encarnacion. Then in the bottom half of the fifth inning, one of the great defensive plays of this or any season, Hanley Ramirez was at the plate, and Austin Jackson would come up big. Pitch to Ramirez is swung on, and that's driven high and deep. Right center field, Jackson back, leaps at the bullpen wall, and he goes flipping over the wall. Did he catch the ball? Jackson gets up, and he has the baseball. Austin Jackson with the catch of the year. It's a five-foot wall in front of the Red Sox bullpen, and Austin Jackson leaped high in the air, flipped into the bullpen, and moments later held up the baseball. A home run for Hanley Ramirez is taken away on a great catch by Jackson. Well, the Indians still led it by that 
seven to five score, but Boston would answer again. They scored four runs in the sixth inning, three of them off of Andrew Miller to take a nine to seven lead. Then it was the Indians coming back once again, starting in the eighth inning. Carlos Santana at the plate. The pitch swung on and a towering blast. Deep right. How is this crushed? Over the bullpens and into the bleachers. Santana's 15th home run. And it's 9-8 Boston here in the eighth. Well, you don't see many home runs to right field in this park that clear the bullpens and get into the seats. That was majestic. And then in the ninth with Craig Kimbrell, one of the great closers in the game today on the mound for Boston, the Indians would not only tie it but take the lead. First to tie it, Frankie Lindor. The pitch. Fastball hit high, hit deep, left center field. This ball gone. We are tied at nine. Francisco Lindor on an 0-2 pitch. Clears the 37-foot monster in left center. Stunned at Fenway are the Boston faithful. And then the Indians would take the lead in unlikely fashion. Kimbrell's ready. Now the 0-1 pitch to Jackson. In the dirt, it got away and goes to the backstop. The Indians take the lead. Ramirez scores on the wild pitch. And it's 10-9 Indians. And Kimbrell's given up a game-tying homer and uncorked a wild pitch. But unfortunately, as they did all game long, Boston would have an answer. Christian Vasquez hit a three-run home run off of Cody Allen in the bottom half of the ninth inning. And the Red Sox win it in walk-off style. Wednesday night, a rainout in Boston. That meant the Indians returned home to Cleveland to open up a new series against the Yankees on Thursday night. And they have played good baseball in the first two games of this series. Thursday night, the Tribe took advantage of early Yankee miscues after Bradley Zimmer reached on an error to start the bottom half of the first inning. Jose Ramirez stepped in. The pitch swung and ripped to right field. There's an RBI base hit. Hitting second, going to third is Bradley. The throw over the head at third by the right fielder, Frazier, into the photo bay area. And the Indians get two runs, and the Yankees have their third error. Jose Ramirez ripping an RBI single to right to easily score Zimmer from third. Bradley going first to third. Frazier had no shot, and he decided to show off that strong throwing arm, but he airmailed the throw to third, and so Ramirez ends up at third. Brantley is able to go home, and the Indians lead two to nothing on one base hit and three Yankee errors. Incredible. The Indians would add to the lead in the sixth inning. Jan Gomes with a big base hit. Right-hander against right-hander. Two-out walk, Santana now at second. Two-out single, Geyer now at first. Tribe up two nothing in the sixth. The pitch. Swung on and blasted. Deep left field. It is off the top of the wall. Here comes Santana. Geyer right behind him. Head first slide. He's in easily. And Jan Gomes comes through. 
a two-run missile off the top of the wall and left. And the Indians have a 4-0 lead. And Larry Rothschild, the pitching coach, heads to the mound, but a little too late. A hanging breaking ball, and Jan Gomes didn't miss it. And more offense in the seventh from Francisco Lindor. Here is the set by Shreve in the 0-2 pitch to Lindor. Swung on, blasted, deep left field. It's got a chance and is gone. Into the bleachers and left. Francisco Lindor not only has a 13-game hitting streak, but he has his 18th home run. Five to one Indians. And for Lindor, of those 18 home runs, seven have come right-handed. Boy, this young man just keeps getting better and better. Lindor is the only player in the major leagues this year that has had three different at least 12-game hitting streaks. And now he has a 13-game hitting streak. And five runs were plenty for Corey Kluber. Into the wind, the next delivery. Swung and grounded to third. On his knees, Ramirez has it. Gets up, throws over. Ball game. Terrific play at third by Jose Ramirez. And another brilliant effort by Corey Kluber. He has done it again. Dominating the New York Yankees and throwing a near perfect game again. That's how close this guy is to perfection. He gives up one run on three hits and just made it look easy, dominating a really good offensive team from New York. And Kluber gets his third complete game of the year, gets his ninth win of the year, and the Indians stop a three-game slide and beat the New York Yankees 5-1. to one. And then on Friday night, well, they were at it again early, this time in the second inning, as Austin Jackson came through. The 2-1, swung on, ripped to third by the diving Frazier, down the left field line, headed toward the corner. Santana into third, he's going to be waved home, he'll try to score. Relay throw to the plate, slide, tag, safe with a head first slide. Into third goes Jackson, and the Indians have a 1-0 lead. A two-out RBI double by the diving Frazier at third, down into the left field corner. And Santana with a head-first slide scores from first on the two-out double and puts the Indians on top, one to nothing. Indians added another run in the second on a Jaime Garcia wild pitch. Then in the third, they took advantage of yet another Yankees error. Edwin Encarnacion's sacrifice fly in the third inning made it 4 nothing Indians, and Trevor Bauer was dealing, along with a little help from his defense, in the fifth inning. Clint Frazier will step in. Here's the pitch to him. Swung on, a chopper to third, snared by Urshela, throws home the tag, and he's out at the plate. Oh, what a play by Urshela. Torres took off, tried to score from third on a chopper, to the third baseman, Urshela, who leaped. His momentum took him into foul ground, and he fired a bullet to Roberto Perez, who applied the tag for the out at home. Two down in the inning. Still a 4-1 to ball game, and a standing ovation for Urshela. 
Boy, and these fans get it, don't they, Rosie? A Great standing to see. ovation. Great wow. to see. In the bottom half of the fifth inning, Michael Brantley kept it rolling for the Tribe. Here's the pitch. Swung on, ground ball, on to the left side, and on through a base hit in the left. Rounding third and scoring is Geyer. Brantley comes through, and the Indians lead it 5-1. to one. That ball was not hit hard, but perfectly placed just past the outstretched glove of the diving shortstop, Gregorius. And Michael Brantley has driven in his 51st run of the season. Indians made it 6-1 to one in the fifth on another Yankees wild pitch. And just like Kluber the day before, Bauer dominated a tough Yankees lineup. The 2-2 delivery from Bauer to Frazier. Swing and a miss. Got him with the off speed. Bauer's night in all likelihood is over. 114 pitches through seven innings. He ends the night with seven strikeouts and gave the Indians a mammoth effort again here tonight. What a job by Trevor Bauer. In the eighth inning, Edwin Encarnacion put the finishing touches on the offense on this night. Now the 2-1 pitch. A swing and a drive, headed to deep left, headed toward the bleachers, and off the top of the wall. Encarnacion is on his way to second, touching home plate is Jose Ramirez. Encarnacion robbed of a home run because that wall's 19 feet high. And the Indians lead it 7-1. to one. And he just barely missed clearing the 19-foot wall. He's got a two-RBI night, giving him 64 on the year. That doubles his 15th. And Brian Shaw finished it up in the ninth inning. The 0-2, swing and a bouncer wide of third. To his left, Urshela Gloves goes to second for the fourth. Ball game. So Brian Shaw gives up a run in the ninth, but don't let that deceive you. He threw the ball well. And the Indians have won the first two ball games of this series. So a solid week gone by for the Indians. Some wild baseball up in Boston and some very solid baseball here at Progressive Field in the first two games of the series with the Yankees. Stay tuned. Tribe Talk continues after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Well, earlier this week on Tuesday night, the Indians played a classic game against the Boston Red Sox. Boston won it 12-10. to And in the midst of that game, one of the greatest catches you'll ever see was turned in by Austin Jackson, taking a home run away from Hanley Ramirez with a leaping grab at the bullpen wall, and those are the low walls at Fenway Park. He went flipping into the bullpen and somehow hung on to the baseball to complete the catch. And we had a chance to visit with Austin the very next day during that rainout at Fenway Park, and uh, he had a little time to, to let it sink in, think about it, and we asked him how many people he had heard from in the aftermath of one of the great catches of this or any season. Uh, it's been it's been fun to uh, to to see all the uh, the you know replies to to that catch. Um, a lot of friends and family that you know I don't get a chance to talk to. Um, a lot of uh, people that I really didn't even think watched the the games. Um, for them to be able to reach out to me and just uh, congratulate me and just pumped up, 
it's a good feeling, you know. I was getting text messages all night uh, saying when my phone was on the nightstand. I, just, I kept hearing the, the, the buzzing sound just going off just at random times. So it was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm glad that I uh, was, you know, that a lot of my friends and family were able to, to see that. You know, that's a, that's a, uh, it's a good thing. And, and like I said, it's a good thing to be able to reach out to them and, and be able to communicate with them. At what point in the play did you realize that there could be a collision here with a, with a wall that could cause what eventually happened, you flipping into the bullpen? Well, I think a, a lot of the times when, um, you know, me in particular, if I'm going back for a ball, I like to try to jump before I get to the wall and kind of brace myself while I'm coming down. I try to do that, but, you know, obviously the wall isn't, isn't you know, tall enough for me to just, you know, bump it with my back or my shoulder. Um, so, you know, once I made the catch, uh, momentum kind of, you know, kept me going. And um, once my legs clicked, clicked the wall, I, I knew I was headed towards the, uh, towards the bullpen. So I just did my best to try to hold on to the other side. And, you know, I was, I was successful uh, somewhat in doing that. So. And outfielders, a lot of times they come in, make sliding catches, but going back, and we talked about this with Bradley Simmer, the wall comes into play. There's a certain amount of courage that comes into play because you might take a pretty good shot. And uh, does that enter your mind that, that you have to prepare yourself to, to take a pretty good blow? Um, honestly, not at the time. At the time, I think that, you know, what you're just trying to do is get back to the wall because, um, you know, the ball might not go over the fence. And you, you just want to be in a position to make the catch in general. So, um, once you do that, once you you know do your job as an outfielder and uh, you do your job as an outfielder and get back there, um, you always want to kind of give yourself some some space just in case you do have to to react and and, and jump into the wall or um, you know put your foot into the wall or, or whatever it is. It's kind of um, it's, it's something you really just make up on, on the spot. You know, you don't you don't think about it. You just react and, and um, you know, do whatever really your, your body will do in this situation. You know, there's really no thought of involved at all. You're at the height of your leap, and you make the catch, but then you got to hang on to it with everything going on, the flip and all that. Uh, was there a point in time where it felt like the ball was, was going to pop free and you might lose it? No, I, I knew I had the ball. I, I, I knew I had that. The, the next thing I saw after I, you know, seen it go in my glove was they got some dirt back there that, that that's uh, that's on the ground, and that's the next thing that uh, that that I, my vision was headed towards, and I, I knew that 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 wouldn't wouldn't be a good thing if I uh, if I wasn't holding on to that wall. So. And the game itself, a classic, your catch, Lindor's home run to tie it off of Kimbrell in the ninth inning. So many good things happen for the Indians, yet the Red Sox win the game. Uh, you're a veteran player. How does a, a team like the Indians today approach things and, and get right back to it? Well, I think the good thing, um, it shows the, the fight and determination from, from this team. You know, um, we never gave up the, the, the whole game. You have a, a, a great pitcher like Sale on the mound. You see guys going up there battling, having good at bats. Um, you know they were doing the same thing. You know they they were you know playing their hearts out. It was two um, two teams that just didn't want to go away. Um, but unfortunately, you know like I said, uh, at the end of the game, they you know they ended up hitting the walk off. But like I said, I think that. Um, that just shows the fight, and then you know, coming in today, nobody was uh, down, no heads were down. Um, like I said, because I think 
we know that you know we'll, we're willing to do whatever to try to get that win and you know it, sometimes it takes going down to that that ninth inning that last pitch last swing last um play whatever to to win that game and um, that, like I said, that just shows the fight of this team, and it's it's uh, it's a good thing to come in after a, a loss like last night, and you know, see guys, nobody with their heads down. Austin, unbelievable catch! It was fun to watch, fun to be a part of. Thanks for coming by. Thank you, appreciate it. Also, this week we had a chance to catch up with Indians first baseman Carlos Santana, who suddenly has become hot at the plate after really struggling to find that good hot stretch through the first half and then some of the season. But the month of July, very solid for Santana, and he has carried that through into the early stages of August now. And we had a chance to visit with him earlier this week and and ask him about some of the differences and what he's going through right now at the plate that's allowed him to have some good success. I mean, um, I feel much better now. Um, um, I mean, I had to change my my approach and and now everything he positive i feel fine um especially um the fall fall month and the and the season so i mean i'm feel fine and saturday night you walked four times and is that a good sign for you uh, that you're seeing the ball well when when you're taking your walks and, and doing some of the little things oh yeah yeah um he's a good sign for, and I'm like feel more comfortable because I don't swim to the bad pitch and and I try to produce um, every 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 game. So I mean I feel fine, especially like last night and I make a full full walk and and I'm doing help to my team and, and win the game. I feel more comfortable now. And you mentioned your approach too, and and I know you had mentioned this on the homestand, uh, just being able to relax a little bit and I know sometimes that's difficult based on your you know whatever your situation may be but was that a key for you just relaxing and, and enjoying the game again and not worrying about anything else I mean um I'm like early in the year and I tried too much and, and I know and a little um and I'm free agent and, and I'm thinking about that but and I'm like and thank you for Edwin and he's helping a lot and he told me about that so he told me and, and I don't have to change um, keep it keep it play enjoy and this is the only thing you control so I mean and I'm thinking about that and and and, and I'm doing you know and, and I'm feeling much better now um, I'm enjoy my my time my game my teammate everywhere um same same to the last year so i mean that's why this is my little approach um in my body and my mentally for that well it's starting to roll that's for sure carlos always good to have you along thanks a lot for coming by thank you bro that's carlos santana as he continues to provide some solid offense and some pretty good defense over at first base too for the tribe stay tuned when we come back we'll visit with Joe Smith, who is back with the Indians, uh, an old friend from years gone by and now back in that Indians bullpen after a deadline deal trade with the Blue Jays. That comes your way after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. 
Talk Baseball on the radio, heading up to tonight's action at Progressive Field, the Indians and the Yankees once again. At the trade deadline, the Indians reacquired Joe Smith, who had a pretty good run for the Tribe in their bullpen from 2009 through 2013, more than 300 appearances during that time, and he will fill a vital role for the Tribe down the stretch, that uh, submarining-style right-hander. And uh, he's ecstatic to be back with the Indians. He really enjoyed his time here, has some family ties to the area. And uh, when we visited with Joe earlier this week, he talked about uh, having an inkling that something was going on between the Blue Jays and the Indians. Brantley was texting me and saying, pack your bags, you're coming to Cleveland. I kept telling him, I said, don't jinx it. I loved my time in Toronto, man. Everybody there was unbelievable. Um, they treated me like family. I, I, I really did enjoy it. And I said, man, if I got to get moved, there's obviously one place I would love to go. And that's, I mean, that's here. I, I mean, despite the fact it went to the World Series last year, you know, and that's the goal right now. I mean, that's, that's awesome to be able to come into a place where you have a chance to win a ring. Um, but just for the fact of, I mean, I know the whole coaching staff, the training staff, most of the players on this team I've, I've played with, and it's just, it's, the trade deadline is, it's so hard, and especially when you go to new clubs and you got to meet all new people and find out different stuff, it really makes it tough, and I just feel like this transition here would be a lot easier personally to handle just because I'm comfortable with, with everybody over here, and they know me, I know them, and, and uh, just have a little bit of fun and try to win some games. And you say that from the perspective of experience, uh, night and day being traded last year, even though you went to the Cubs, a team that actually won the World Series? Yeah, I mean, it was, don't worry, I had a blast in Chicago. I mean, I grew up a Cubs fan, and uh, I guess turned an Indians fan when I spent five years here before, but um, it, it, it was tough getting to know all the guys, getting to know new catchers, new philosophies on pitching, um, it was an unbelievable experience, and obviously coming to Cleveland and, and being there for the World Series was uh, was awesome. Um, but I mean, just coming here, it just seems to it just makes sense. I, I don't know how the stars aligned and this happened, but I'm very thankful that it did. I know my family is too, and I'm just ready, man. Just go out there and win, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You mentioned family, and for those who don't know, what makes it from a family perspective so special for you, your wife, and your mom? Yeah, I mean, obviously my parents, I grew up in Cincinnati. They're four hours south, and it's a pretty quick trip from Cincinnati up to Cleveland, so it makes it easier for them to get up here and some other friends, too, in the Cincinnati area. Um, obviously my wife, Allie, and her whole family's just west in, in Vermilion, and um, I know they're, they're so excited and uh, just to be back and, and be back in Cleveland and be be around them, and you know this game's hard enough when you got to go different cities, be away from the family, and and you know see people a couple times a year through the off season. So it's going to be fun to be back there and see a bunch of familiar faces and and do all that. But it's going to be even more fun because of the position that we're in and the position that you know go deep in the playoffs and hopefully win a World Series. Like and I was here for five years and. Um, we weren't there yet, you know, but there's, I think, 13 guys on this roster I was playing with in 13, and um, to see them step up and, and become unbelievable major league players and, and, you know, do what they did last year and have, have a chance to 
to do it again and even maybe better. It's just uh, the opportunity to come to a team to, to have a chance to win is, is awesome. And nuts and bolts stuff, uh, when we caught up with you, you were with the Blue Jays uh, just coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, how you feeling? Because I know there was some DL time there. You, you ready to roll and, and feeling good? Yeah, I feel good, man. I'm ready. Uh, spent a little bit of time on a DL. Got in a lot of games early, but uh, I feel good. I feel like I'm getting back on track, and, and that was the main focus coming off of the DL stint and just getting back on the mound, getting used to being in the games and, and kind of getting your stuff nice and sharp. and. You know, whatever happens, happen. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the, I mean, the goal of signing with Toronto was the fact that it had been on a team that had been to the ALCS twice, and we had the opportunity to go deep again into the playoffs. And, you know, it didn't happen, man. Injuries caught up with us, and and, and it stinks. I enjoyed my time so much over there, man. What great people and an organization they have. But, I mean... To get the opportunity to come back home and play and, and play with a lot of guys that are true friends, and it's just, I can't wait, man. I'm so excited. That should be a lot of fun. Joe, great to see you again. Thanks for coming by. Hi, Rosie. That's Indians relief pitcher Joe Smith, who's been off to a real nice start in a couple of outings so far for the Tribe since the trade. Scoreless baseball over almost three innings of work for Smith. Stay tuned. When we come back, it's our final segment of Tribe Talk. After this time out on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment, and we join you with our weekly farm report. James Harris, as always, stops by. He's the Indians Director of Player Development. And we began this week with James talking about the deadline deal trade for the Indians that brought them Joe Smith. Going the other way, pitcher Thomas Pannone and infielder Samad Taylor. And uh, both young players who have performed well in the minor leagues this season. And uh, we asked James why the Blue Jays would have an interest in those two, what he saw in them this season that made them attractive to another team and were able to be trade chips for the Indians. Yeah, I mean, first, those are both guys that we, we really liked. So, I mean, you're pulling your hair out to, to try to, to keep some of those guys. But having them give us an opportunity to help our big league club was exciting for us. A guy like Thomas Pannone guy who works really hard to give himself the success that he had this year, taking advantage of every resource that he had in the building, uh, was a, a competitor. He's a guy that we, we really liked and that promoted earlier in the year because he had done that, which which puts him on the map for other teams to see him and, and, and find interest in, in him too. Um, Samad is one of our younger players. He was just drafted last year. We really liked him in the scouting process. He's a guy who brings energy. He brings athleticism. He was fast. And he's he's a guy with a, a, a tough tough little out, so we were excited about him too. And I, I think the Blue Jays saw that when they scouted us, and they got two good players. So two players leave the system, and I know uh, you have some injuries. You can probably go a, a stretch, maybe a week to ten days, where there's not a whole lot of movement, and then things blow up. And it sounds like the last uh, little while here, you, you've had to make a lot of moves. And, and what have been the challenges here the last couple of days in terms of filling rosters and making sure everyone's in the right spot? Yeah, when, when, when two guys move, two other guys are, are taking those their place. It's like the ne- next man up philosophy. Um, but with injuries, with promotions, with things that happen throughout the system, um, it gives a lot of opportunities for other players to play at different levels and with different teams with, and different teammates. And those challenges um, are, are met head-on by our players, and it allows them to get better, allows them to learn their new teammates and, and see a different environment, and it, and it challenges our, our coaches and managers to help those players develop also. And Pannone was at uh, the double-A level when he was traded, and, and I know that opens up a potential spot. 
Uh, a couple of names on the radar, uh, Nick Pasquale, Tristan McKenzie, um, a couple of pitchers. And, and what are you liking about them, regardless of the level they're at, but the, the type of seasons that they've had so far? Well, Pasquale has been able to, to fit in for us at different levels, whether it be in at double-A or, or high-A in Lynchburg and, and either start or come out of the pin for us. So his versatility has given him an opportunity. Um, he's going to fill in for the first start for Pannon, and then after that we'll make a decision who's going to be there permanently. And Tristan McKenzie's the name that a lot of people have heard. He's the young guy who just turned 20 years old this week, and he's he's been um, a guy who's produced quite a bit. He's learning what it takes on and off the field to be a, a professional pitcher, and uh, he's, he's, he's working through that and doing well. James, I know a busy week, but thanks a lot for the time, and uh, we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks for having me. It's been a fun week. That's James Harris, Indians Director of Player Development with our weekly farm report. And we finish this week's edition of Tribe Talk with culinary news from the pasta sauce front. Tito Francona and Son Pasta Sauce has hit the shelves at a supermarket near you. Indians Vice President Bobby Biasio joined us earlier this week, and he fills us in on how this new pasta sauce came to be. The official name is Tito and Son Pasta Sauce. It came about, a friend of ours, Gus Shimrak, is the mastermind behind it. He's also the one that did Omar Vizquel's salsa and C.C. Sabathia's barbecue sauce that we've had fun with over the course of the uh, the years. And uh, proceeds go to Cleveland Indians charity. So he approached me with the idea of Tito and Son Pasta Sauce. And when I went to Terry in spring training, uh, he thought it was the funniest, greatest idea that he and his dad, you know, more than anything, uh, that he and his dad could do something together. Uh, his father, when we brought him here last week to do a little shoot, a little commercial that people will have hopefully see on Twitter and on Indians.com and um, go to it and see it because it's funny and it's fun. Um, but I think more, more than anything, it's something that Terry can connect with his dad on in a real fun way and raise some money for Cleveland Indians charities and the pasta sauce. Go to Indians.com, check it out. There's a whole laundry list of grocery stores that you can find it at and uh, um, just a fun thing to do. Have you tried this sauce yet? Oh, I have. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's good, and I think people will have fun with it, uh, obviously. Um, But, again, it's... uh, um, not necessarily about creating a gourmet sauce. It's about raising money for Cleveland Indians charities, doing it in an incredibly fun fashion, and I think people will enjoy it. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you, Rosie. I mean, you can't go wrong with a little Tito, Francona, and Son pasta sauce on top of your spaghetti. And we thank Bobby D. for filling us in on how that came to be. And that's going to do it for this week's show, this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us as always. We will join you next weekend from St. Petersburg, Florida. The Indians will be taking on the Tampa Bay Rays as they begin a lengthy road swing as the gauntlet that is the month of August on the schedule continues for the Tribe next weekend down in St. Pete. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.